take a moment and pray. Father, it is so good to be in your presence. Lord, as we're here in your presence, we ask you to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to be immersed with your love. And as we come now to hear your word, change us so we could leave here different from the way we came in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing in our series of the five habits of every disciple. And um, if you haven't been following along, I'm going to give you kind of a quick recap and why we're journeying in this way that when we look at the word habits, all of us have a habit. We all have habits. And there are habits that um, uh, our habits determine how we behave. That's what our habits are. It just is our behavior and the way we do things. And some of us have habits we wish uh, we could get rid of, and some of us have, it, have habits we wish we could grow in. But we all have habits regardless. And what we're looking at with the five spiritual habits are, or the five habits are of, of a disciple are spiritual habits of how do I put on or increase these spiritual habits in my life to grow? That how do I put them in my life, because Jesus modeled these habits for us, and, and he's calling us to begin to grow in each one of these habits to be his disciple. And I'll give you a, a quick reminder. There's five habits, and you have them on the board, so you're cheating, but same with me. Ready? Connect, pray, serve, give, share. And when we connect, that's really, we're connecting to that love of God. We're connecting to that relationship of who he is. And we're called to connect to him and connect to one another. That's part of loving God and loving others. That's the greatest commandment. Everything's summed up in those two places. That's that connection. And that we remain in that connection. We remain in that relationship. And we remain in that relationship with him and with one another in that place of fellowship as we come together. That we're, we're to be connected and how important that connection is. And that we also uh, came, Jesus, uh, to show us uh, that in that connection is this desire to redeem that which was what? Lost. That he came seeking to save that which was lost so that we could have this relationship that he calls us to, to connect with him and how important that is for us. How important that is to help us grow. Now, as we put these habits or as we put them in our lives, the more we grow in these habits, what happens is the more we become like a disciple of Christ. And that's what we're called to do, to be his disciple, that we continue to grow, to be his disciple, to be a follower of Christ, is that I'm going to become more like him and less like the world. And that, that there's something that happens as a result of coming into that understanding of who he is in my life. And it begins to change me. It begins to transform me. Now, there's two things. For, for some of us, we might be new to this journey. And we're just new in, in this relationship with who he is. We're new on this journey of, 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 of discovering what it's about, what, what being a disciple all is, about, is all about. And here's what I want to tell you, that there is grace for you to grow in this journey. You know the saying, I take two steps forward, you know, three steps back, and then but what we do when we're new in the journey is just keep falling forward. It's okay. And we're going to have grace that Christ will meet us as we're, we're, we're growing in these different habits. If you've been walking for a season in a relationship with Christ and you're following him, these habits are, are for us to fulfill 
the very mission he has planned for our lives. Do you know you have a mission for God? You are a person of Christ on a mission that he wants to accomplish through your life. No one's excluded. We're all part of that. And the way that we fulfill the great commission or the great mission that we have for us individually is we begin to grow in these five areas that make us more like Christ. And that connect habit was about how we grow first in that relationship with him and that relationship with others. Then the second was the prayer habit. And the prayer habit is how we learn to begin to walk with God. That's where we begin to find communion with God. We, we begin to grow with God in that place. We learn to walk with him. And then there's the serve habit. And the serve habit is how God reaches others through our hands. That he uses us to impact those around us. And how we're called to serve. And how we reach those and touch those for who he is with his love. Today's habit is one of everyone's favorite habits. You can't wait for me to talk about this. I can see it on your faces. You're excited. You're thrilled. I don't know what's going on at home, but don't shut off the live stream. <laughs> Keep it on. Because when I tell you about the give habit, two things happen. One is someone goes, finally, someone's going to talk about what that means and is excited about it. Then the other party is like, here we go. <laughs> but it's important. It's really important because we express God's love for us and his love to others through the give habit. We express that love. And I want us to look at how incredibly giving our God is and why the give habit is so important. You know, there's key words that we're familiar with in the scriptures. Even if you're not that very familiar within the scriptures, they're words that you associate with a relationship with Christ or, or with faith. And, and we know these words are words we're familiar with and words that come up really often in, those, in different discussions, maybe in small groups or wherever, maybe even at work. And a word like believe, which is how we have faith. Well, do you know believe is in the Bible 272 times? The word prayer is mentioned 371 times. The word love is mentioned 714 times. You know what's coming, right? The word give is mentioned 2,162 times. Maybe the Lord wants to teach us something. Maybe there's something there that he, he understood. We had to get hold of that and what it's about. See, the Bible is a book that's all about giving. Scripture talks more about giving than heaven or hell. Half the parables of Jesus' life are about giving. There are more promises in the Bible related to giving than any other subject. Why? Because our God's a giver. Willing to give up his one and only son. He was willing to give up. He was willing to give. He's a giver. He gives us an eternal life through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. He gives us dominion over the earth. He, he blesses generations to come. He gives us an eternal life that we're to recognize all that he gives us. And the Lord gives because he loves us. And we cannot give without love. You, you can't give without knowing that first. You got to have that love in your heart. And that's what we come to discover. We give because of his love. We take because we don't know his love. And 
there's a great difference. You know, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's givers and what? There's no in-betweeners. It's one of the other. It's one of the two that we are. We're either givers, like Christ, in all we do, or we're takers. And when we take, it's because we don't know that love. When we give, it's because we found that love. We discovered that love. And when I was working in my other occupation, um, my vocation uh, in sales in the city, before I decided to do all this stuff, uh, I had a professional job, and I was in sales, and I was doing really well. I was really young. I, um, I, was, I was on track to be uh, very successful. I was successful in the beginning of it, and uh, there was someone I was working with, maybe five years older than me at the time, who was crushing it. I mean, doing really, really well. So something I learned early on was hang out with the people who were doing really, really well, and you could learn something. So we went to lunch one day, and I began to ask all these questions so I can do like he was able to do. We had a nice lunch and kind of gave me some insight and good discussion. And the bill came, and he left and went to the bathroom. <laughs> and I thought that was strange. But you know what? I'll step up. I, I'll, I'll cover the lunch. You know, he only makes like five times what I make. But that's OK. I'll, I'll cover it. And then some weeks went by again a little bit later, and uh, we went to lunch again. Because I want to learn. I want to absorb how can I achieve this success that he's achieved. And we went to lunch the second time. We had a good conversation, some insight. Check came. He went to the bathroom again. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, I knock you out. That's how, <laughs> that's how that works. And I was, I, I, like, I had this moment. Now, I'm a Christian at the time. I'm a believer. I'm like thinking, God, you want me to love this guy? No way. No way. He set me up, and no way am I ever going to lunch with him again. If we do, we'll go grab a dollar slice somewhere, you know? And I realized that, that, that there was more to the story, and he told me I have to love him, and I didn't want to love him because I was frustrated with him. But I began to look past that moment and realize there's a difference between those who want to give and those who want to take. And then I began to discover his life was about a father who abandoned him and his mother and left them really poor. And he had to work really hard through high school at a young age and put himself through school and support his mother at the same time. And that he went without many nights and that he worked really hard to get what he has. And he had fear and he didn't understand. And it put him in that place of bondage. And I realized so much was wrapped up in that reason. And I had to see past that moment. But there's this clear line between those who give and those who take. And there could be various reasons. But, but when, when we're taking, it's because of unbelief. It's because we don't believe, because we don't know that love of who God is. And we have to come to know that love, love. In John chapter 12, verse 25 through 26, Jesus says, He who loves his life will what? Lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will what? Keep it for eternal life. So just remember, he who loves his life in this world, not good. He who hates his life in this world, right on because you keep it. You're given this eternal life. And if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. That everything comes down to the very understanding of God's love for us. It always comes back to that place and how much he loves us. And when, when, when we discover that, we begin to be changed. And when we love our life more than God, we're rejecting that love of God. And that's what happened. Jesus says, if anyone 
serves me, let him follow me. You won't serve him unless you love him, unless you first know his love. That's the response of knowing the love. I want to serve. And Jesus says, where I am, my servant will be also, and my father will honor him. My father will bless them, and he will bless their faithfulness. Why? Because a servant is a giver. That's what's happening. The servant is a giver. And giving, when, when we understand the word giving, beyond just monetary reasons, but giving is an expression of worship to God. That's what that is. Just as we sing, just as we come to the Eucharist, just as we pray, it's right in there. It's in the top ten. And it's a way that we worship. And when we, we have that heart changed and we give, you know what happens? It makes us more like God. It draws us closer to God. Giving is a remedy to materialism. And it'll break that spirit if we're bound by it. Giving is an investment in eternity. And we're blessed because of it. We're blessed. There's a blessing when a heart is changed and we give. Here's a really cool thing. Giving brings joy. You know, we all get excited when someone gives you a gift. I mean, and they really thought about it. Not one of those last-minute CVS gifts. You know what I mean? Like, the, you know, like on the way to you, they just grabbed the CVS thing. That well, The gesture is always really nice. And we know what that feels like. But we know what it feels like on the other side of that. To be the one who thought it through and be able to bring that blessing, that, that, that ability to give and, and know what happens as a result of when we do that. Philemon 1.6 says, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. And as you understand and experience all good things that we have in Christ. See, we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. The giver will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who bless others themselves will be blessed is what Proverbs says. And our attitude towards giving is much more important than the amount because it's a matter of the heart. So how do we express that give habit? What do, what do we do? What, what's the thing we do? Well, we said it was worship. So the first thing that we do when we're expressing the give habit is we come before the Lord. We honor the Lord by bringing our first fruits. We bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord. We come to him and we bring those first. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes and to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. That means test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And I will, if, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. You know what's something that's true? I've never met a former giver. Because they can't. They understand that transition in their life. And Christ wants us to be like him. And he was the most giving thing that ever happened to us. The greatest gift ever given to mankind was an eternal life through God's son, Jesus. The greatest gift giver ever. And that should get us excited. And something happens 
every time we demonstrate that, what happens is we're walking in our faith. It demonstrates our trust for God. But I know what the problem is. The problem is when we have debt, we're gripped by fear, and we don't know how to overcome those debts. We don't know what to do next. It becomes hopeless. It becomes impossible, and we don't see a way out. We don't understand. But the truth is by giving, you actually overcome your debt. It's actually flipped. It's reversed. But we can't see that. So what do we need? We need help. We need someone to guide us through that place. But ultimately, we have to trust God. He's either in control or not in control. And we begin to trust him. We begin to put a plan in place. We begin to get changed. We're transformed. And we're going to offer a stewardship seminar coming up on April 13th, which is led by certified financial planners who are Christians who are going to say, we're going to help you go from here to here. So if you're stuck and in your place and you want to learn to be refreshed or refresh others, and how do you begin to walk in that, I'm going to encourage you to sign up for that, and it will transform your life. See, when the Lord says bring those tithes and offerings, the tithe is 10%. That's what he says, bring that back and honor God, worship God. And the offering is, do what, is what we give above that because we're so blessed as a result of our faithfulness, of our trust in him. And if you're struggling with this, you got to pray and just ask the Lord, Lord, guide me, show me. What is the place that I need to start? Where do I take that first step? But you got to begin somewhere. you got to start somewhere with first trusting God. Because if we don't do it, we're saying we don't trust him. When we do do it, something shifts, something happens, something changes us. I had a car that needed to be worked on. It was really early in the morning, I had it drop it off. And one of the things I found out in life, doctor's appointments and, and, and automotive appointments, you want to be the first one. There's less waiting. So I get the first appointment to get, and I drive the car there to get dropped off. And it was pretty early in the morning, and none of my family wanted to pick me up. So I had to take a car ride back, which was an Uber, back to my house. It was early. And on the way back, it's a great opportunity for me to just get to know whoever's driving me. They don't realize what's going on in the back seat. They don't realize I want them to come to know the love of God the way I know it. And I have an opportunity just to be sharing. I don't start quoting scriptures. I just start to share. How you doing? How's your family? You know, whatever, whatever. Or, or they begin talking. And the conversation started. And um, we're turning up and coming through. And he makes a comment. says, you know, I really love your neighborhood. It's a really nice neighborhood. I said, oh, thank you. And then we pull up to the house. And he says, Oh, he goes, this is my dream. I'm thinking, dude, are you looking at my house? Like, it's 1,200 square feet. I live right next to the train. You know, the garage is falling down. There's all these things that, like, you know, are, are, are in a bad way, more or less. And he says, this is my dream. I said, well, I said, let me tell you something, that when we begin to walk with the Lord and trust the Lord, God can do anything in our life. And God has a plan for your life. And you just have to begin to follow that plan. And, and whatever he wants to do next, what I can tell you is in my life, I walked by faith and God has provided. And it's been an incredible journey for me all these years. I get out of the car, I shut the door, and I begin to walk towards my front door. And Lord begins to speak to me. And as he's speaking, I realize that, hold on a minute. This is his dream. And my blessing that God's given me is another person's dream. And I realize that how I can be discontent. And why am I discontent? Because I'm always looking at what everyone else has. 
Like, don't you know, like, my bedroom, the bed takes up the whole room. You go to my bed like this. Like, don't, don't you realize my kitchen, I need a new stove. It's 17 years old. Don't you realize, I'm seeing all those things around me that, that I would change. And I'm looking at where everyone else has something that maybe I would desire. And I become discontent in the very blessing that God's poured out into my life. And I start to not see that anymore. And I start to miss that. I think the commandment is coveting what other things I look at. And then I had to stop that and, and realize, wow, for someone else's dream they, that, that God has given me is a blessing, is, 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 is way that he's provided within my life and has changed my life. And it made me realize, man, I need to be content in what I have. I need to give thanks for what God's doing right now in my life and be reminded of that. And I was humbled by that. I repented. God, thank you that you've been able to provide in such a way and do these various things. And here's what you got to know about contentment. We think contentment brings happiness. Contentment doesn't bring happiness. True biblical contentment brings joy. And you know why it's joy? Because joy lasts a lifetime. Happiness is fleeting. And he wants to bring that joy in our life, and he wants us to be content. So we worship God in what we give and be grateful for the things that he has provided. Second way is we give to others and the importance of that. And why do we give to others? Because we'll meet Christ when we're generous towards others, when we give to others, that we meet him in that place. Matthew 25, 35 says, For when I was hungry, you what? Gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me what? Drink. And I was a stranger, and you took me in. That there was an action, there was something I did, and I gave the food, that I gave the drink, that I gave my home and well welcomed them in. Jesus said, what you did for the least of these, you've done for who? Me. That means that we meet him when we give to others. That we're meeting Jesus in those very moments. And that if we have a giving problem, it's not the giving, it's the heart. And we need heart surgery. We need the Lord to continue to change us and transform us into more of who he is. And our giving is this outward expression of God's love. It's saying, I believe. It's saying, I worship you. I trust you. And if you want to know a secret on these five habits, this is the habit that accelerates all other habits. This is the one that does it. Because when I give, it breaks me free. It releases me. The give habit is what releases me from strongholds of materialism, of greed, of selfishness. And the Lord pours out a blessing as a result of it in ways I can never ask or imagine. That I'd be changed as I begin to move in that habit. And when we give, this is what happened. It connects us to that first habit to bring us closer to the Lord. When, when we give, it, it, it heightens our prayer life. And we begin to hear differently. And it encourages us to serve and then it helps us to share because of what God has done. So the question comes back to what are we waiting for? The Lord wants us to give freely, like it said in the scripture. He wants us to give freely. And it says that we bring a refreshing to others, but we too ourselves are refreshed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a generous God, a giving God. You do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, um, I know the struggles. I know some people are out of work right now and, and they're thinking, Lord, what, what possibly can I do? I know some people are sick right now. I know that there's struggles in the home, there's struggles in relationship. But Lord, that, doesn't, that shouldn't keep us from 
how we can be your disciple, that you have something even in the midst of that that you want to break free. So I pray, Lord, uh, for those of us who are just stumbling in this journey and we want to be more like you, we want to walk out being a disciple. So we're asking now, Father, send your Holy Spirit and begin to help us do so. And maybe you're watching for the first time or you're here for the first time and what you have to do is make a decision that I'm going to follow after Christ. That's where it begins. Jesus said, come follow me. And when the disciples dropped their net, that was a decision to begin to become like Christ. Their heart was changed. Well, too, our hearts have to be changed. And you have to ask him in your life. You have to invite him into that place. And if you want to know Jesus in that way, you want to know his love in that way, you want to receive redemption in that way, you want to receive the gift that God gives of eternal life that way, we surrender and we ask him in. So if you're here or you're watching and you haven't prayed, I want to pray with you to know him in that way. So if you would right now, you could just repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, really important, if you're here or you're watching online and you prayed with me, here's what you need to do. You need to let us know. Why? Because we're committed to come alongside of you and help you on the pathway to discipleship. So you can click on that on the campus. If you're here, you can let one of the ushers or hosts know on your way out and just say, I prayed that. We'll gather some information and begin to help you on this journey. Amen? Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with the sign of God's peace.